Tonight, we're kicking off a series about emotions. It's called Moods. And uh, quite honestly, I think that your generation, let me, let me come to your defense for just a minute. I think your generation has give, been given a raw deal. And uh, that's thanks to a pandemic. That's thanks to um, my generation and the generations above me not knowing how to behave. <laughs> we act like children sometimes. I think the way we argue with each other. Um, how many of you are aware of how like, not just your parents, but your parents' generation kind of argues back and forth all the time about stuff, about issues. Any of you aware? Are you afraid to raise your hand or are you just like audibly yes? Like, yeah, like I'm aware that our culture, okay, so things like political, like who are you voting for? Oh, yeah, they do argue. <laughs> Sorry, it's just in my face all the time. Um, way worse stuff, you're exactly right. Um, let me, let me say this. I think, I think that the world that has been built around you and kind of cradled you from being a baby to being a teenager has crafted a certain kind of teenager. One of the things we've done is we've handed you the internet and this little device that fits in, fits in your pocket. It's amazing. And it's also not. We've handed you social media and that's not been as helpful as we thought it was going to be. That's what the results of surveys or research is showing right now is that people, by and large, are getting off social media because they realize the negative and harmful effects of it. By and large, your generation, what's being reaped is, uh, is comparison, crippling comparison. And that's not untrue of my generation as well because my generation is also looking at the vacations and the cars and the homes and the families and all that. But, but I know that your generation, uh, the research shows that the number one thing that you guys are concerned about is like achievement and success. What school am I going to go to? What job am I going to have? Everything has to happen so that I can get to that like place in life where I have a nice car, nice home, great salary, right? Bank account is full, no issues. And the adults in the room uh, would tell you, if you have all those things, you still have issues. Everyone has issues. Now, the emotional issues, hear me, of y'all's generation are unmatched. Are you listening to me? You guys are walking through a minefield emotionally and you don't even know it. We see it. Your parents probably talked to you about it. They wouldn't use the word emotional minefield, but think about it. Like all the ways that your emotions spike in certain areas, part of that's being a teenager and part of it is like, the world that you've been living in. I think that we gave you like, not we gave you, but there was about an 18 month period where you had to live in kind of this, everything is different and we don't know exactly what to do with, with this pandemic. Uh, you were separated uh, from your friends, especially those who were like um, seniors and juniors um, the last couple of years losing major milestones, major milestones, especially those who graduated like on a Zoom call. You know what I mean? And there's things that we don't know quite, quite know how to describe to you. I remember I had emotional issues. I can tell every, you know, every adult in here could talk to you about the emotional issues that teenagers go through. But y'all's generation's different. And I'm not saying that y'all chose it. In a lot of ways, we, we kind of handed it to you. And what we want to do in this series is talk about three different emotions kind of in... in um, we want to frame it in like a mental health, 
in a mental health, and what I'm, when you hear the phrase mental health, you may, you may think, oh, we're talking about crazy people. No, we're not talking about crazy people. We're talking about humans that need to find a way to have like a healthy mental outlook and frame and foundation for their world. Because, and you don't have to raise your hand for this, anyone had like a mental breakdown in the last two years? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. It's tough. Like you have to deal with all these emotions. Now, um, what I'm not going to talk about in this series specifically are issues of um, depression because that's just not kind of how we laid it out. We're going to talk about anger because you hear, you hear like mental health and you think, oh, like not depressed. So let me just say this out loud. If you would say that you're a student that feels like you wrestle with some of that depression issue, always know you can come talk to us. We, not, we probably don't have all the answers for you, but we want to walk with you, okay? So there's counselors and there's doctors that, that have those answers. Like, I don't have those. I did not go to school to treat that. But what I did, uh, what I do have is a heart to help teenagers figure out these, these emotions that you guys are, are living with, okay? So if you feel like you're ever like, man, I can't handle it. I got, I got, I'm, go, I'm about to have a, an emotional breakdown. You let us know, and we will walk with you. We'll pray for you. We will help you walk through that, okay? That is what we're here for. Here's what we are going to talk about. This week, we're going to talk about wrestling with our anger. Next week, Eli is going to help teach us about how to deal with our fear. And then uh, for those of us that wrestle with issues of guilt, uh, we're going to talk about that in week three. Those are the three uh, specific kind of uh, emotional places that we're going to talk about um, this, <clears throat> this, coming, this coming series. So um, the, the, the kind of the idea for the series is we want uh, you to know, this is going to be on the screen, that emotions don't have to be the boss of you. Your emotions don't have to be the boss of you. And I think some of us would say, well, I don't know how that works because when there's an issue that pops up in my, when there's an emotion that rises up in me, like I, I lose control. I lose control. And here's what we would say. Um, we want to talk about mental health, but we also want to talk about self-control this series. And there's, uh, there is a sense in which this verse is not going to be on the screen, but I'm just thinking about this verse in 2 Timothy 1.7 that says that God did not give you a spirit of fear, but he gave you a, a spirit of power, love, and, a, and of discipline or self-control. That is a spirit that God gave you, okay? And, and you have that opportunity, especially as a believer, how many of you know, like, the secret weapon that everyone that would say they're a Christian in here has? What's your secret weapon? The Holy Spirit, exactly. The Holy Spirit is like God dwelling inside of you, okay? Does he dwell inside all of us, angel? No, why? Yeah, like, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've got the Holy Spirit. If you're not a follower of Jesus, then, then that's just not a part of your life. And that's not us trying to judge you. That's just saying you haven't chosen that life. The Holy Spirit hasn't come in and indwelt you. The Bible tells us that he, the comforter will come and, and, and indwell us. And in Acts 1.8, it says he gives us power, right, to do ministry and all this kind of stuff. But it also gives us power to, like, combat these emotions and to walk through some of these hard times. Now, let me give us a little relief. Um, one of, uh, I think, one of the best um, uh, Disney, Pixar, whatever movies is the movie uh, Inside Out. You guys seen this movie? Uh, that deals with our, yes. Do we not like that movie? Because that was like a groan. 
Caleb, Caleb, I love you, but every time you refer to movies, you refer to like the worst movies in the history of man. Okay. Okay, all right. So Caleb's not a fan. Caleb's not a fan. Not approved by Caleb, but um, there's a, who's, who's not seen the movie? Anyone, has anyone not seen, everyone has seen the movie. Awesome. So you'll all uh, know this clip is familiar. Go ahead and play that clip. Should be back there. So, as it turns out, the green trash can is not recycling. It's for greens, like compost and eggshells. Mm. And the blue one is recycling. And the black one. Riley is acting so weird. Why is she acting so weird? What do you expect? All the islands are down. Joy would know what to do. That's it. Until she gets back, we just do what Joy would do. Great idea. Anger, fear, disgust. How are we supposed to be happy? Hey, Riley, I've got good news. I found a junior hockey league right here in San Francisco. And get this, tryouts are tomorrow after school. What luck, right? Hockey. Uh-oh, what do we do? Guys, uh, this, uh, here, you, you pretend to be joined. Wouldn't it be great to be back out on the ice? Oh, yeah, that sounds fantastic. What was that? That wasn't anything like joy. Uh, because I'm not joy? Yeah, no kidding. Did you guys pick up on that? Uh-huh. Sure. Mm -hmm. Something's wrong. Should we ask her? Let's probe, but keep it subtle so she doesn't notice. So, how was the first day of school? She's probing us. I'm done. You pretend to be Joy. What? Okay. Um, hmm. It was fine, I guess. I don't know. Oh, very smooth. That was just like Joy. Something is definitely going on. She's never acted like this before. What should we do? We're going to find out what's happening, but we'll need support. Signal the husband. Ahem. She's looking at us. Uh, what did she say? What? Oh, oh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What? What is it, woman? What? He's making that stupid face again. I could strangle him right now. Signal him again. Ah, so, Riley, how was school? Are oh, you kidding me? For this, we gave up that Brazilian helicopter pilot? Boo! I'll be joy. School was great, all right? Riley, is everything okay? <sighs> Sir, she just rolled her eyes at us. What is her deal? All right, make a show of force. I don't want to have to put the foot down. No, not the foot. Riley, I do not like this new attitude. Oh, I'll show you attitude. Okay. No, 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 no. Stay happy! What is your problem? Just leave me alone. Sir, reporting high levels of sass. Take it to DEFCON 2. You heard that, gentlemen? DEFCON 2. Listen, young lady, I don't know where this disrespectful attitude came from. You want a piece of this, Pops? Come and get it! Yeah, well, well... Here it comes. Prepare the foot. Keys to safety position. Ready to launch on your command, sir. Just shut up! Fire! That's it. Go to your room. Now. Foot is down. The foot is down. Good job, gentlemen. That could have been a disaster. Well, that was a disaster. Come, fly with me, Gachinha. Okay, so, so we have uh, we have all kinds of emotions at all times. I think that scene is so funny too because 
I think it plays out, and I'm not, you know, I think the guys in here would appreciate it if I didn't paint guys as just like one-dimensional, like, idiot sitting at the, uh, the dinner table. Um, would, anyone, would anyone say, like, I have seen that play uh, play out, I've seen that scene play out at my dinner table before. Like, I have seen that almost word for word. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just different. So you see how calmly the women, like, put things together, by the way? Like, there's like, let's talk about this calmly. Let's deal with this. And the man is like, let's put the foot down. It's time to put the foot down. Um, and now, shh. All right, so here's what I want to ask you. Um, have, and you don't, please don't answer this out loud. Um, have you... Have you ever felt inside of you like some of those emotions are competing? Have you ever felt like some of those uh, emotions seem like out of control at times? Have you ever felt where um, you weren't quite able to um, get a grasp on a certain scenario? Now, if, if you haven't, I can just kind of tell you that it, it will happen soon. It will, it will, that's part of being a teenager, um, as a young adult and, and, and living on into the rest of, of your, of your life. Um, and so what I want to ask you specifically tonight is like, how does anger fall into this equation of emotions? And, and is anger even a bad thing? Um, is always bad. We're going to be in Mark chapter seven. Um, if you, you probably don't have a Bible with you, but the verses are going to be on the screen. Um, in Mark chapter seven, there's this moment where Jesus and Pharisees are talking, um, and the Pharisees are looking at Jesus and his disciples. Here, look at me for just a second. Um, and the Pharisees are questioning Jesus. Hey, Nathan, stay with me here, bud. Nathan. Hey, Nathan. Hey, stay with me, bud. Um, so the, the disciples are eating uh, this meal. And remember, um, do they like, are they like fast food people or are they like sacred meal all the time people? They're like sacred, like they're going to sit together, um, especially dinner. Uh, but these meals are meant to be eaten as a group um, and they're going to eat uh, together for a long time. They're going to enjoy like the biblical idea of fellowship is not just like we're going to cram some food in our mouths and go in the next, on to the next thing. They're going to like share life together. Um, and in this moment, the disciples, this is, this is very like true. Go read it for yourself in Mark chapter seven. They didn't wash their hands before they ate. Now, some of you are like, what's the big deal? <laughs> you should start washing your hands. <laughs> You know, um, you should start washing your hands for sure. But this is, this is specifically an issue of, like, ceremonial cleansing. Now, this is not happening in church. This is not tabernacle stuff necessarily. This is just like, no, when you come together to eat a meal, Keegan, when you come together to eat a meal, uh, this is important. We're going to make this a holy setting. Hear, hear my word again, a holy setting. What does the word holy mean? Anyone know? You can't define the word with the word. So what does it mean? I heard someone say set apart. Who said that? Okay, Gary. Uh, what else? You were, you were finding it, and he said set apart. Jesus-related? Okay. Can y'all stop whispering? He has the floor. When I call on somebody, he has the floor, okay? Um, all right. Um, let's go Ainsley. Sorry, I'm... Ooh, okay. Okay. We'll take a couple more. Pure. Perfect. Extremely pure. Okay, so we've got kind of the idea, right? 
Um, now, and there's, there's, there's a couple different versions of this. Because um, I wanted to use an example for you. I would tell you I'm a Christian. Shocker. I'm a Christian. Um, have I been saved? Yes. Am I being saved day by day? Mm-hmm. Ooh, let's step into some deep territory. Okay, so kind of elevate your brains for me with, with just a minute. Um, did you know that the Bible says you're being saved like every day, like you're being sanctified? You know what the word sanctified means? You all just described it. Because you know what? It's like the same word as holy. It's the same word as holy. You need to answer. Go ahead. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So sanctified and holy come from the same root word. And um, if, if you are saved, are you perfect? No. Will you be perfect one day? <laughs> like I, the, the Christian answer is like, oh, yeah, I think so. Okay, so will you be perfect on earth? No. no. Will you be perfect in heaven? No. Yes. Okay, let's do a quick little education here, right? We are all humans. Um, here's what the Bible, I want you to listen to this because you're going to say I never taught you, but it's because you're not listening. The Bible says that everyone here is like a sinner, right? You're born and you choose sin. You, I don't have to prove that to you because you know it. You choose sin and that means you're separated from God and that separation means that like you, you, you're not good. You can't go to heaven because you're like an enemy of God. That's what that sin does to you. It separates you from God. And so what happens is some of us, we've read the scriptures, we've heard it preached, we've gone to camps, we've been a small group or something, and we heard like the way to become a Christian or the way to go to heaven or the way to like bring that closeness back where it's supposed to be with God, right? All the way from Genesis 3, Adam and Eve ate the fruit and then they were separated from God. The, the God said, you will surely die if you eat the fruit. And then there was this whole problem. The whole rest of the Bible is imperfect people experiencing sin, Anyone got a problem with that? Until like the last two chapters or so of Revelation. Because what's happening in, at the end of Revelation? Jesus has come back. He has defeated Satan, uh, the Antichrist, the false prophet. And he's bringing the new heaven and the new earth down. And that's where we will dwell. We, Christians, not everybody, everybody doesn't go to, doesn't go to heaven. Some people will tell you that's true. The Bible does not say that's true. Okay? I know I'm giving you a lot right now, but I'm, I have to explain it this way. So then we will dwell with Jesus forever. Now, I, when I was 16, 20-something years ago, gave my life to Jesus, and that's when I got saved. The next day, probably that night, I sinned. Was my salvation in question? Ooh, I know. It's difficult, right? Here's the deal. If I was legit saved, which I believe I was, no, the salvation's not in question. God has given you a new spirit. A what spirit, angel? A holy spirit. What's that word holy mean, Ainsley? Set apart, right? Set apart. And that holy spirit, what does it do to you? It wants to make you more what? Holy. Holy. And, he, and, and the holy spirit's helping you. But you're being saved day in and day out. Your salvation is like... Um, it's constant. Jesus is constantly like pulling you back in in his relationship with you. I'm not saying, hear me. 
Don't leave here and say, yeah, Mark told me that you can lose your salvation, so you have to keep getting it back. Is that what I said? Mm -mm. No. If you've given your heart to Jesus and you'd say you're a Christian and hear my heart, I don't believe all of you are. And that is okay. And I'm glad you're here. I don't believe everyone in here that thinks they're a Christian is a Christian. You know why? Because I think that someone in here at some point, maybe several someone said, yeah, I don't want to go to hell, so I'm going to pray this prayer because I don't want to go to hell. That sounds awful. And so you've kind of prayed the prayer and then you're living your own life. Does someone who has been captured by Jesus live their own life? No, no. Like a person who serves Jesus is a, like a servant, a slave, like he is our master. So what I'm telling you is I'm looking around the world. I know this is going to break several of your hearts. I'm looking around the world at people that call themselves Christians and live nothing like what the scripture says a Christian should live like. And I'm thinking, when Jesus said that the path to life and life more abundantly is narrow, here's what I think he meant. Don't tune me out. I think that the path to destruction is wide. That's what Jesus said. The path to life is narrow. There's very few people on the path to life. Why? Because they want to live their own life. And where does their own life get you? I'm going to be God. I'm going to be king. I'm going to choose what I want to do with my life. Where, Where does that lead to? Destruction and hell and separation from God. And quite honestly, it leads to like emotional turmoil. We're just talking about moods. But also, let's talk about salvation, the bigger issue here. And I think that some of you probably have lied to yourself and said, well, yeah, like I go to church, so like I'm a Christian. Um, But if I was to ask you, like, have you been changed by Jesus? Have you been really radically saved by Jesus? A lot of you would say, like, what do you mean? And I I would just want to have a conversation with you about where you stand with Jesus. Now, the Pharisees... Whether they were saved or not, they really believed they were like, they were kind of like super Christians, but they were really about following the rules. Now, do the rules matter? They kind of do. They kind of do. Is that what our salvation is in? Is our salvation in like, well, I follow the rules, so I'm saved. That's exactly what I'm saying. Some people like would go to church and give and get baptized and go to camp and go to mission trips and stuff like that. And they're like, yeah, well, it's like, I'm a Christian. But you're like, your heart is still like, I'm on the throne of my heart. If I'm on the throne of my heart, I'm not a Christian. So these Pharisees that are like, the rules matter, the rules matter, the rules matter. And the rules kind of matter because if you're really giving your life to Jesus, then yeah, like you want to follow in his footsteps. But we don't want to ever confuse people that say like, if you want to follow Jesus, follow the rules. So no, no, like you give your life to Jesus. You give your life, like you build a friendship with him. So they're having this conversation because what? They didn't wash their hands before they ate. Which is just, it's, for you, it's just a cleanliness issue. For them, it's like, a, hey, we take this meal seriously. Like this is a, a time for us to be together and to experience fellowship. And here's what, here's what Jesus says. You're, like you're worried that like they're gonna, they're gonna defile themselves with this food because they're not washing their hands. He said, what comes out of a person, this is deep, okay, so I want you to put your thinking hats on. What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. Okay, that's a lot. Where did it come from? Where does it come from? 
It says it right there. From the heart. From the heart of a man or a woman. From the heart of humankind. Next verse, verse 23. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. What defiles a person? It's simply the answer is it's sin. It's the wickedness that you hold on to in your heart. We hold on to it. Now, we talked about sin just a moment ago. Listen, if you want to give your life to Jesus, we can do that anytime you want. We can do it as soon as we dismiss. We can do it next week. You can call me, text me, whatever. But specifically talking about emotions, we like to hang on to our anger and that inside of us. It's not, it's not you're going to eat something bad and it's going to turn you into an evil person. It's what you're holding on to inside of your heart. Have you ever felt, maybe, have you this week felt like there was something inside of your heart that kind of showed up in the way you talk to people? Maybe you had a moment of anger and you're like, and you're like you, the volcano out of that guy's head on, on Inside Out. Yeah, some of you are nodding. Yeah, that's inside of you. Now, if you're the kind of person who would say like, well, yeah, like, you don't know my life. Like, I... I I had something happen to me. And I would say, like, I know that a lot of bad stuff has happened to a lot of people. But also, we can't always go back to those crutches and just live however we want to live because, like, something bad happened to us. I would want us to take steps to get closer to Jesus on that path. Now, if something happens to you to make you angry and it just kind of ruins your day, anyone have that happen recently? Yeah, I have that happen recently. When something happens and it like derails your plans, you had plans for a great day and, and your day is derailed or, or maybe you were gonna go, go somewhere. Like we had a lot of things happen. Like let's just call it like a vacation that didn't go well because family got sick. We couldn't go on vacation or we went to school and we were wearing our favorite outfit. It was Friday or the weekend and all this kind of stuff and someone shows up and talks, talks trash and it like ruins my day. I got the grade back. I thought I did well on my test. I didn't do well on my test. And there's that emotional response. You know what I learned this week? This blew my mind. I'm going to put a quote on the screen for you. This is by a doctor named Dr. Jill Bolt Taylor. Read this with me. When a person has a reaction to something in their environment, there's a 90-second chemical process that happens in the body. After that... Any, remon any remaining emotional response is just the person choosing to stay in that emotional loop. You know what that means? We like to harbor those bitter emotions. We like to harbor that anger. Now, this is tough, and I'm not going to ask any of you to raise your hand on this one, but isn't it true that some of us kind of like to hang on to that anger? Like someone did something to us, and we want to, like, prove them wrong, or we want to get back at them, and we're going to hang on to it, and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and what I want to tell you is, that is you hurting you. Sometimes we think, I'm going to get back at that person, and honestly, we're holding on to kind of this negative, sinful, like harmful emotion, and it's poisoning us from the inside out. And it's hurting us. It's hurting us. So what do, we, what do we do with that anger? A uh, couple things, a couple things I'm thinking. This one isn't even on the screen. Proverbs 4.23, it says this. We could preach this every single week. It's so good. Guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. For out of it comes the issues of life. Guard your heart. Um, 
Let's see, what else? There's a couple verses I'm going to put on the screen. Uh, Ephesians 4.26. Be angry and sin not. You know what that means? There's, there's a good kind of angry. What's a good kind of angry? Okay. Is it, is it okay to be angry about, like, injustice happening in the world? Is it okay? Can I tell you, like, what I get angry about that I think is good anger? I'm angry that there's a generation uh, that I believe is going to walk away from Jesus, and so I'm, I've, I've put my life in such a place that I, like, I just want to help this next generation. That's, like, what I would call my righteous anger. Now, do I have some unrighteous anger? Yeah. Someone cuss me off on the road? Not a lot of righteous anger there, right? It's just not righteous at all. Um, when I think of righteous anger, I think of Martin Luther King Jr., right? This is a man who was angry about injustice in our world, and, uh, and he put his life's work, literally died doing this, to end racism in our country. And I would say this, he did a lot of work, and there's still a lot of work to be done. We by no means have we fixed it. By no by no means have we have we really fixed it. So what does it look like to be angry and sin not? I think it's to remember a couple things. Uh, Ecclesiastes seven nine says this: anger is going to lodge in the heart of fools. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. We hang on to it, right? We hang on to it. And we stay in that emotional loop. What does Proverbs 29, 22 say? Next verse. A man of wrath stirs up strife or like uh, problems or fights. And one given to anger causes much transgression. Just telling you. By the way, we just talked about real friends for like four weeks. This is like, make sure that you are the kind of friend that doesn't stir up transgression or strife. Also, if the people in your world, those five people that you would call your closest friends, if you would say, like, yeah, anger is kind of like one of their top three main um, emotional responses. Okay. So then transgression and strife are in your future. That is something. So that's what I'm trying to tell you. Like, it's it's helpful to remember that, that what God would say, what God would say is that you can be angry and sin not. So what Nathan said was really great. Like, you're going to have moments in life where you get angry, right? Because something's going to happen to you, and you're going to have that 90-second, like, chemical response. It is going to happen to you. But also, you're going to have to choose not to live in that emotional loop. That might be the biggest thing that I could say to you tonight. Some of you are feeding the bitterness and feeding the anger. Now, I want you to feed your righteous anger, Right, when, I think about, when I think about Nehemiah in the Bible, who was like heartbroken over the city that he grew up in, a city that God would say was his chosen city, and uh, the walls were knocked down, and it wasn't protected from enemies, and his heart was broken. He had righteous anger about this city being open to people to come in and plunder. And he gathered a bunch of people, got those city, city walls rebuilt in 52 days. That's righteous anger that you can point in the right direction. And I just, I just want to ask you, like two questions. One, in what ways are you harboring that anger inside of your heart? That's, that's not healthy. 
And then the second question, where is your righteous anger? Where is your conviction? Where is the thing that you would say, like, I believe God has put me on this earth to be involved in bringing God's world down here on earth, uh, on earth as it is in heaven? In what ways do you see stuff happening in your school and you're like, that's not right. I don't like the way they treat that person. I don't like the way this works. I don't like the way this happens. I, don't, I, I see injustice in my world. Um, and I want, I want to just ask you, in what ways will you participate? Use your righteous anger for good. Point it in the right direction so that God could use you. But if I can just tell you, if you let your anger kind of be har- harbored up inside of your heart, I think you'll probably end up distracted from all the things that God wants you to do. In fact, you'll probably just be mastered by your anger. And so, do you know what um, comes out of a person that's mastered by their anger? You know what I mean by mastered by their anger? Do you know what I mean? Like, they just let the anger be their choice makers and, you know, decision makers and future, like your future is going to be decided by you choosing what matters, your values, your priorities. So if you'd say like, yeah, I'm going to let my anger make my decisions for me. What ends up happening? What's that person's future like? I just want to ask you, I want you to bow your heads. I'm going to pray for you in just a moment. I just want to say this, just very clearly. Your anger doesn't have to be like your determining factor. doesn't have to be your determining factor. You are growing up in a world. I'll pray for you in just a minute, but just keep all eyes closed. I just want you to hear what I'm saying. You are living in a world where anger is like flying left and right like arrows. And people decide to choose to to say ugly things to each other, to treat other people like they're lesser beings. And I think the center of it is like anger, bitterness, selfishness, all that stuff that's harbored inside of our heart. And I want a better future for you. I hope you want it too. So in what ways can you decide to let those things go? You know, the Bible says that we, we, take, we take those feelings, we take those those, um, that anger, and we just give it to God. We, just, we take it captive, and we make it obey Christ. So sometimes what I have to do is just take that anger, lay it at the feet of Jesus, and be like, just help me. I'm not perfect. I don't know how to deal with this. Before I pray for you, just all eyes closed, would anyone say, like, hey, pray for me because I, I, I deal with anger issues. I just kind of, I do harbor it in my heart. Would you just slip your hand up? And I'll pray for you. I'm not going to ask you, all eyes closed, all eyes closed. I'm not going to ask you to walk up front. It's good. Yeah, several of you. You can put them in, you can put them down. Heavenly Father, I'm just going to ask right now that you would help us in all the ways that we do harbor that anger, that we do kind of hold that up in our heart. Lord, I pray that we would find a way to lay that at your feet that we would take that thought captive, that feeling captive, that mood captive, and we would make it be obedient to you, Lord. I I pray that every student in this room would wrestle with the idea of whether or not they've called you Lord and Savior or not. 
or whether or not they would say, I am on the throne of my own heart and I'm going to do this life the way I want to do it. Lord, I pray that you would get a hold of us. Lord, if we're distracted, Lord, get a hold of us. It's in your name I pray. Amen.